Hello and welcome to the 007 Countdown from Some Like It Scott. I'm your host Scott Harvey and I'm joined as always by the Countdown crew Scott Shelton and Jay Habib. Today on the podcast we are down to our final three movies of the series leading up to No Time to Die and our target today is 2008's Quantum of Solace. But first, how are you guys doing? Doing all right, Scott. I can't think of any like current event to date this episode. Scott Shelton, I don't know if you have anything else. A uh, current event? I know this is like some. We, we, we always like talk about like stuff that's happening on episodes that you know release. Yeah, like, we always talk about later. the big topics here. You know, healthcare, immigration. Well, I, try, I, try, I tried to bring up Messi before the show, but Scott said we didn't need a five-minute Messi corner on the podcast. So yeah, speaking of immigration, there is an uh, Argentinian immigrant coming to France. Uh, already came to France. A, He's there. Deal, and yeah. He signed. He's been paid off already. It's gonna be great. Exciting times. They gained 20 million followers on Instagram. 20 in million? My goodness. Yeah, it's it's crazy. If you ever like see like a trivia quiz or something about like who has the most Instagram followers, it's Ronaldo. Always start it's Ronaldo. Off by yeah. Ronaldo and Messi. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And and soccer teams too, like Manchester United, Barcelona. Like they always have. Oh, like, not anymore. I think Barcelona lost 20 million followers. The other day. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's a worldwide thing, and people, you know, people forget that. I think so. That's. Uh, like I, I saw one the other day on on the dozen, which was like most liked Facebook pages, and oh like boy. five of the top ten were soccer related of some sort. At least five of the top ten, I think. So, the only activity uh, I do on Facebook these days is to actually unfollow pages that I didn't even realize that I had followed at any point in my life, but are yet I'm seeing their posts on my timeline. The only that, thing uh, I miss about Facebook is birthday reminders. Mm, yeah, but I have to have people who. I'm friends with remind me it's great the banter of that whole question though was that the number one most liked Facebook page on Facebook is Facebook. Facebook of course it is yeah. Yeah. so I'm pretty I sure they like so. auto they auto like it for you when you create yeah it's probably. like MySpace Tom right where yeah it's, log, it's like, some 1984 your... 84 levels of like yeah how else will they be right able to there. sell your data if you don't like their page I don't know if you guys saw the um tweet by the great philosopher Madison, Madison Cawthorn yesterday, but he was like, 1984 is uh, a great fiction novel, which uh, resembles the world we're living in right now or something like that. Like, he called it a fiction novel, which is just one of the funniest Profound. ways of describing <laughs> that, yeah. But, you know, you can Speaking of fiction novels that, that are getting a lot of uh, traction on, on Twitter, I have been seeing all of the, the posts go around of talking about how I Am Legend is a great example of how a virus can decimate a society. Oh, I saw that too. Oh my goodness. Don't get me started. Yeah, no. It, <laughs> that classic well, nonfiction tale. A vaccine too. Like I, I saw well, it wasn't even a vaccine, right? In the show, in the movie, but. Well, yeah, but I saw one person like using their, like, like justifying, like the, not getting the vaccine, like basing it on something that happened in I Am Legend. Just yeah, like, no, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 It's like crazy. Anti-vaxxers um, using that as as saying that we can't, you know, you can't trust vaccines. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then the and then the screenwriter for the movie just being like, "I made it up." <laughs> yeah. It was I fiction. Mean, it's based on a sh- it's based on a short story, I think. Right? Isn't yeah. it like uh, Isaac Asimov or something like that? Yeah, um, yeah. I think I don't know if it's Asimov, but it is based on a, a yeah, some short one story. of those big sci-fi guys. But. All right. Well, I think that's a, a good discussion of the big topics there. Jay, I hope that was uh, satisfying to you. Yeah. I'm well, doing well, Scott. I hope you're doing well. Also. <laughs> we got back around uh, eventually. Um, okay, guys. Well, our movie today is Quantum of Solace. Following up from our Casino, Ro- 
Casino Royale left off. Quantum of Solace sees Daniel Craig's James Bond trying to get more information from the mysterious Mr. White, who was responsible for the death of Bond's lover, Vesper Lind, at the end of the previous film. Mr. White turns out to be linked to a shadowy organization called Quantum, and when the organization tries to target Judy Dench's M next, Bond goes on the warpath to avenge both Vesper and his motherly boss. Bond first sets off for Haiti, where he stumbles across the sultry Camille Montes, played by Olga Karolinko, girlfriend to environmental entrepreneur Dominic Green, played by Matthew Amorick. It turns out that Green is heavily involved with Quantum 2, and his next mission is to help a Bolivian general overthrow the government in exchange for some valuable land rights. But of course, this is merely the appetizer to a much more complex series of events, which also involves CIA corruption, opera, crude oil, the return of Felix Leiter and Renee Mathis, and Gemma Arterton as a Bond girl with the immortal name of Strawberry Fields. Jay, we'll start with you. Casino Royale marked a high watermark for the Bond series, largely due to the introduction of Daniel Craig as 007. But does Craig's more traditional second outing still deliver the goods? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember talking last week about how, you know, Casino Royale was not your daddy's Bond. Um, this one felt very much like your daddy's Bond because it made no sense and the action was nonsensical and I had a really hard time following the movie. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm coming down on this one pretty hard. I think in large part just because I was really excited about, you know, the set of Craig movies and I know I was well, you know, primed for to be let down after Casino Royale. Like you guys told me this one just wasn't going to live up. But like right from the get-go, like, I mean, just to get a little bit into the movie, like the, the very first car chase, right? It's just cut in such a way. Like I have no idea what's happening. Every I can't tell scene. what car he's in, like, or like what's going on. Who's winning? Where, like, what is going on? Um, he's in, I'll give you a hint. He's in the Aston Martin. Yes. I mean, like obviously, but like in the, <laughs> It was. I know. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> it just. It was and, pretty bad. That's that's how I felt about I think all but one, like action set piece. Um, where I'm just like I don't totally get what's happening, um, and it's just cut with just too many cuts, shaky cam. You're cutting between this and the opera, or this and the horse thing, and it's like it's just too. Uh, it was. There's that, and the plot was hard to follow. Again, I, I know we'll get into all of this, but I just I have to defend that reaction, right? Like, it was just a real letdown after Casino Royale. Yeah, the part where he carries in Camille Montes and is like, she was seasick. I was that sitting there so like, buddy, you're not the only one. <laughs> buddy, she's not the only one, you know? I was that like, felt, so was I watching yeah. this movie. That felt so, like, Roger Moore-esque to me. <laughs> I don't know. And like, uh, again, so I've done my get, best. Get you a bond who can do it all is what I say. I don't know. I've done my best to like turn my brain off to like, you know, most plot followings, the overt sexism in this series. Like it, you know, and for the most part I've succeeded. But again, after, after like Casino Royale was so good. I so enjoyed that. And you know, this, this was just a, a tough, it was a tough act to follow and it, it a tough act in and of itself. Scott, your overall thoughts on the movie? Okay, I'm going to start by saying I think that this film gets too much, too much slack, too much stick. I don't know, too much, too much stick negativity. Is what you were looking for, yeah. What'd you say? Too, way too much negativity. I think I went into this movie thinking it was it was going to be about as bad as I remembered, and I think it was like a little bit better than I remembered actually. Which again, it's a low bar, right? We're not talking about Casino Royale here. Um, 
but yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I think that what I really think is interesting is that they didn't do the same thing with this movie that they did with Casino Royale. It asks Craig to be a completely different kind of bond. And I think that that's really interesting um, from a character development perspective, right? Like we talked about how like, oh, it's super interesting to see this sort of like origin story of Bond last week uh, when we were talking about Casino Royale. Well, this isn't his origin anymore. This is this is Craig on a revenge tour. Maybe we've seen a little bit of a flavor of this before with Timothy Dalton's movie that we did License to Kill. And I think that you really get this sort of steely grittiness that there was indications of in Casino Royale. But frankly, there are very few, if any, stunts in Casino Royale outside like the first, you know, that big opening chase scene. And this thing has like crazy stunts every like 20, 30 minutes in the movie. And so I really do think it leans, you know, more into the action, which I don't actually think is necessarily the traditional bond. I think you get like the tropes of the story being hard to follow. Look, guys, this story makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. I mean, the water, maybe? Question mark? <laughs> that that's the plot? Maybe I don't know. But there's also um, oil involved somehow. Like, well, yeah. you want to talk about tropes? There are like foot chase scenes, a car chase scene, a boat chase scene, and a plane chase Helicopter. scene. Like, yeah. yeah, they're all there. But but that but that, I would not say that that is like standard. Like that is a standard piece to like have all of those different things in a Bond movie. I think no, that this, not all of them, no, sure. We, we've just seen those in the ones that we've watched. So, it, yeah, it does kind of feel a little... Yeah, I, it feels more familiar, but I think that you you really do get something different, and I think that's to the credit. Do I think that those th- those differences equal something that is on even, like, remotely the same tier as, as Casino Royale? No, no, I don't. But I, I like that they didn't just try to make some other love story, which is, like, more more or less maybe a little bit less of what casino royale is but i'm glad that they don't they don't do they don't try to be the same like they do amp it up to be a sort of this really bombastic action scene the good news is is that sometime before we end this podcast we are going to have a movie with an opera scene that you will never forget at some point that will happen on the on this series are bruce wayne's parents gonna get shot or we're gonna I'm, we're gonna I'm watch not gonna spoil uh, that hitchcock's the man who knew too much is that what you're saying uh, yeah, it could be you never hitchcock's know man Hitch- hitchcock yeah. is coming back from the dead he'll be like hologrammed and they'll say he directed the movie it'll be really great we'll have a hitchcock orson uh, wells had a movie come out a couple of years ago why not that's what i'm saying man it's ne- never say never um but Again, look I, yeah <laughs> well you know hitchcock we didn't see that movie we'll move on <laughs> But o- overall, I guess talking at a higher level, I like that this that this movie is different. It's just unfortunate that the craft of Casino Royale does not translate. Uh, Mark Forster doesn't doesn't quite get it. I don't think. Um, Mark Forster retire. <laughs> is he still doing movies? He is, isn't he? Um, he made like Christopher Robin or whatever that movie was. A I like that ago. movie actually, but obviously that's okay. a very different kind of movie than this one. <laughs> so yeah. no frenetic action sequences in that one. Um, but look, I, yeah that. I had forgotten that the opening scene in this was that car chase you're talking about, Jay. Horrible opening scene. Just horrid. Really just set Absolutely the bar so low. Scene. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, man. I really did not remember this um, being in the movie at all, frankly. And, it, it, you know, it would have been better if it hadn't been in the movie. But, look, I, I do think it, set, it sets a really bad tone for the film in that way. And I think as nonsensical as a lot of the plot is, I think its biggest sin is that it just like doesn't do anything with quantum. Like 
that that is the film's biggest sin in my mind is that you have this like shadowy organization ostensibly what the film is going to be about right from the start and certainly the way that casino royale ended they barely do anything at all besides just teasing that it's this really shadowy clandestine organization and that i think is the is the film's biggest crime in my opinion uh, because there i think there's a lot of very interesting lore and you know conflict that could be mined out of that premise when in reality it's just bond trying to stop this guy for some reason i guess because he's associated with white really unclear why he's actually trying to stop this guy other than oil water well, maybe him too like that 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 seems to be a big thing but movie, but this right? guy like, didn't though it, it that's white i mean why well, like, yeah no green has... again this is it's the classic james bond like this guy is linked to another guy who's linked to this other guy like yeah. it, the, the hitman or whatever who tries to kill him is like linked to some other guy who's linked to dominic green and then like that's or something like that again it's it's sure. hard to follow he's just trying to find out about quantum right like i think that's ultimately what it was but you're right that they don't but, he, but, he, but there's no it. there's no finding out about quantum no you're right <laughs> I, I honestly halfway through the movie like i forgot the order of the next two movies yeah and like that's relevant because i honestly thought the end of the movie was going to be like quantum was just front like you know the real enemy we only have one word specter like cut to black like that's honestly what i thought they were going to do with how yeah. little there was going on regarding quantum yeah that's what I got from a high level. Really, really disappointing yeah. the direction the movie ultimately took. Again, it's just so subjective. We keep saying this, but it's just so subjective depending on who your favorite Bond is, right? Because like everyone, every Bond has a movie that is like really not well regarded. Um, I feel like, and but like I feel like if Daniel Craig is your favorite Bond, right, you're going to watch Quantum of Solace, kind of like you did, Scott, and say, "Oh, this isn't as bad as people say it is." If Pierce Brosnan's your favorite Bond, you're probably going to watch Die Another Day and say, oh, this isn't as bad as everyone says it is, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, again, it's it's hard to evaluate these movies because, you know, that factor has to come into... I, I, what I'm saying is it's hard to, like, have grand rankings and, you know, like, this is not as bad as people say. This is better than Roger Moore doing this. You know, it, it's just... The well, to me, it wasn't even as, as bad as people say. It's like, it was better than I remembered yeah. it being. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was maybe slightly better than I remember it being, but I, I did not remember it being good, and I still don't Same. think it's good. Um, I think Jay hits on one of the main things for me, which is the very shaky editing and quick cuts and Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's obviously, I guess, uh, this is a Mark Forster thing. Maybe like I looked and the editor on this movie is also the editor on most of Mark Forster's movies. Um, they were obviously trying to capture something very specific with the action and it just doesn't work. Uh, I mean, I, I think to, to put more Seems of a voice to that, I agree that it doesn't work. They are trying to capture the physicality of the performance, right? Like, that's yeah. the point of of doing the shaky cam being like really up close into the body of Craig a lot and having these like really claustrophobic moments. And I think that comes across really strongly. It's just the same. You can't discern many of the details of the physicality of the performance. I think I mean, that's, the way just, that I would... that's just it though. Right? Like if you want to go in a more like, you know, gritty revenge tour with like these crazy bombastic action scenes, that's fine. I just have to be able to like enjoy them. Sure. Yeah. You know? I don't like that, that's just it. Like I don't, it doesn't have to be Casino Royale. It can be this, you know, action piece after action piece, but, I Look, I, I do think a lot of this just comes down to like Mark Forster is like not not a great director. 
Like he's not. Yeah, because I just don't understand the choice of it ultimately. Like this movie is not like the Hurt Locker or something where you can understand why they would want to do like a shaky cam technique or something like that to make it, you know, immersive or whatever. But James yeah. Bond, I don't feel like that's the effect they you want you're trying to go for. Yeah, found James footage Bond James Bond is the next yeah, is the next exactly. subgenre. <laughs> um that would be something. But yeah, I mean, here's the thing. The movie I say it's not that not as bad as I remember because the main thing is it's not it's not boring. Like it's and it's only a no. hundred minutes long with without credits like this movie is only 100 minutes long when you take out the credits which like is blessedly short compared to most of the movies we have watched which have been you know 120 plusers comfortably um this yeah it's it's short um the the downside of that is they probably don't explore you know to your point scott they don't explore quantum as much as they could they don't explore really the whole vesper thing except like at the beginning and at the end like that's it like there there's just a really tacked on yeah. and this scene the, at the end but that scene is the, i like I, that that scene is great but it's just so vacuum, tacked on it's so tacked yeah, on. yeah in a vacuum it's good and, yeah. and it's just like they they just tack it in there to be like okay we have to resolve this whole vesper thing somehow so let's just throw this in here and nope now bond has you could totally forget it's in the movie even though it might be one of the better scenes yeah. in the film I'm like, no, wait a minute. Like, you know, we're supposed to this relationship that was portrayed in Casino Royale is like very like deep and intense. And we're just supposed to believe that, oh, well, the guy's been taken into custody now. So Bond has closure. He's moved on with his life. Whatever. I mean, do you think he was um, actually alive in that apartment when he walked out? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but Scott yeah, can't be bothered. <laughs> that feels really perfunctory. Uh, Strawberry Fields, one of the most random characters ever. She literally shows up for two minutes is like, I'm supposed to take you back to, uh, you know, the Britain as you know, on the next flight out. And she's like office worker, you don't even go. There's not even like a seduction at all, really. Like he says, like one vaguely innuendo thing to the to the in the hotel room, like two minutes later. And the next thing you know, they're like, you know, waking up next to each other. Okay, and but but to geez. that, we always complain about how the seduction is just so fast and so like over they the top. They skipped the seduction. They skipped they it. It was off camera. Try. Maybe he was really deep and but, thorough and clever, and it was like a back and forth, and the fireworks just like were going off, yeah. and like we can tell ourselves like he, he was maybe earned this one. <laughs> But she gets done so dirty after that, right? Because he's like, oh, do you want to go to a party, right? They roll up to the party and he just like leaves her there, right? Like you don't see her again until she is dead. He until like meets she is up liquid with gold That's not true. That, that's not true. You see, she trips, she, she, trips, she trips the guy the on the guy. That's what I yes. mean. But that's the yeah. last time you see. Like he runs off with Camille Montes and it's just like, screw you. Like he doesn't even call her, right? Like, and the next thing we know, she's laying on the bed. Covered in crude oil. Like, oiled up. And I'm like, How are we skipping wow. past that? <laughs> no, we're not skipping past like, that. I, look, I know Bond girls, like, again, the, most of them get done dirty, but this feels like a new low for her. Like, what did I she mean, get I mean, out of this? really dirty like, with that oil. I mean, yeah, it was very, yeah. very dirty. I, I felt like M's reaction was really justified in that moment to be like, no, I'm taking away your, you know, I'm stripping your, your gun, your badge, you know metaphorically speaking and, but like but like, but like yeah, two minutes later he's like i'm doing it and she's like okay. yeah <laughs> she's like i know i can't stop him i trust him uh, it was that was funny yeah, though when he was like crawling around the top like he's a very good like scurry and they had a little bond theme going on in the background like it was just, just like little notes of it yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, was, that was the best edited action sequence probably 
but yeah, the movie is really is pretty silly. Uh, I mean, and not in a, not in a good way. Uh, but it, like it wasn't saying, in on the joke. Let's put it that way. It's not boring, like which which makes it, you know, better than. I'm not gonna. I don't know if it's better than any of the movies we watched. It might be the weakest it, one we watched, but. No. Um, but Wrong. there are boring passages in some of the other movies we watched. Is what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean. I mean, we talked very openly on the very first film in this countdown about how freaking boring a lot of it was. So, yeah, I mean, look, it, I, this was the joke that I said in my my letterbox review. It was like, well, look, we don't usually understand the plot to these movies, but, you know, we have some cool action, which can usually bridge the gap here. We don't understand the plot or the action because because of the way that the action is shot. So there's really not a whole lot left for you to latch on to. Um, and yeah, especially after Casino Royale which was probably all of our favorite one to date that we've watched. Um, yeah, this it's, it's a big letdown. Um, there's, there's really no way around it as much as I wanted to come into this and be like, all right, maybe it's not that bad. It's not a good movie. Like it's, it's just not. Um, I do think the action, I, I will take one exception to the action scene bit. And I do think the, the action scene in Siena, it's like after, the opening scene with, where they're driving and then he's chasing You're talking about the foot chase. And... Yeah. The foot chase that it's originally it's, it's, it's hard to follow a little bit because of they are in the tunnel underneath, but once they're above ground, I think that scene's quite good. And they are, cr- I do not understand why they didn't do the bond theme after he grabs the gun and shoots up into, into who was it? Mitchell. I think the guy's name or whatever that, that he was sure. chasing. I can't. I don't know why they. Why didn't they do the Bond theme there rather than like completely non sequitur, like you yeah, know they, before they that? Talking about throwing things at the end that like you would have forgotten about, right? Like it, it comes out at the end, and I was like, oh okay, like reminder, this is Bond, and you love Bond, like. Yeah, I mean they've done that. They've done that at the end before in the movies, but um, it, it seemed like they had Mark a scene where they could have done it. No, that's what I'm saying. It would, I think it would have made sense before, but yeah. Also the oh, the the theme not good in this film. Mistakes were made. The it's rock a good song, song didn't work for me. It's a good song, but it, it does not fit a Bond movie. Like it doesn't. I mean, it's it's just like a it's a, it's a rock song. Like where where did this come from? Well, it's Jack White. I mean, yeah, like, I know, but know, I'm like, it's it's a pretty classic. It was up there with hearing like Jay Z and The Great Gatsby. <laughs> I watched that oh, film for the first time there. recently. Oh yeah. Um, almost almost unwatchable. Which which, which music was more jarring to you, Jay Z and The Great Gatsby, or uh, the song in this one? more jarring I, I mean it's really jarring to see like 1920s new york and then hear jay-z rap music <laughs> in the film it's incredibly jarring <laughs> um anyway i think we could move on and talk about daniel craig now um, scott you know you alluded to the fact that he's kind of being asked to do something a little bit different than we saw him being asked to do very in different because you know royale namely he's asked kind of to be um, a more traditional Bond, balancing sort of the humor, tongue-in-cheek type stuff in some moments with, you know, the gritty hero that we saw in Casino Royale. Scott, do you think he was successful in blending these uh, two sides of Bond in the way that, you know, maybe Connery and Brosnan, I think, have tried to do um, most prominently? I do. I really do. I mean, I, I do think that in spite of this film being of the lower quality and granted guys i really emphasize i really do think that we're judging this film even harder because we had just watched casino royale we hadn't watched a movie as good as casino Royale in the series before this so we we had the bar set high for us and then getting let down off of it i do think that this is 
not so far below a lot of the films earlier on in the series. There's some exceptions. I think Goldfinger is probably a standout there. But um, I think Craig, in spite of our cooling on on the Craig series of Bond films here with the second one, I think that Craig still sort of rises above the mediocrity of other other parts of the movie and puts in a really compelling performance where it feel like any, we talked about this in the last, in the last movie, we're talking about Casino Royale, about the the character development. It does feel like this is a a very direct continuation of a lot of the development that we were getting in Casino Royale, right? Like we, you can see where he started in Casino Royale, where he ended, where he picks up in this movie and then where he goes in this one as well. And I think that that journey although maybe not as emotionally long from start to finish, I do think is quite effective in balancing again, the emotional journey that he does go on while he's trying to take vengeance on Vesper's, you know, well, who he perceives as being at fault for Vesper's death. And also of course the attack on him as well. And then I think he balances that extremely well with the physicality of the performance. Again, maybe not always well shot or well conceived action sequences, but it really does feel like, like I still get a very strong impression of the physicality of the role and the performance from Craig. And he is this like, I mean, yeah, he is, of course he's like the modern bond because he is the modern bond, but he is like, I think everything you'd want with this sort of like really, really hardened spy who take, you know, roll like takes his punches and gives is just as good as he gets and finds sort of cannot like kind of sneaky, almost sometimes got grimy ways to win fights and he scraps. And I think that that is a, a really endearing quality and one that make him, you know, makes this bond feel more human in some ways, right? That he's not just sort of like winking and nodding all the time. And like for reasons that you can't really explain is like getting the better of people. Like he's sort of like really grinding it out in a lot of these action sequences and I think that that really lends to this character arc that he's on around being this kind of person who, in many respects in Casino Royale, sort of fails his way through the whole thing, right? Like, he doesn't really succeed that often, right? Like, he sort like he kind of gets, like, caught in the airport or, I guess, it, at the House of Wax Museum in Miami and then sort of, like, sort of finally gets the better of him, better of the whole thing at the airport and, and straps the bomb to the guy's belt doesn't like like kind of wins the card game yeah gets poisoned ends up winning the card game but then captured by lashif loses the shootout kind of at the end of the day and and vesper like he's this character who is not so like superior to everyone else and i think that you continue to see the chinks in the armor and the flaws in the character and i think that makes this character of this version of bond that craig is embodying a lot more relatable in some ways even though obviously i can't relate to being a double O agent for the MI6, but it feels more relatable and it feels more, you know, something that's more tangible. If you could, you wouldn't be able to tell us anyway, probably. I would be right here in the same place that I am right now. And you'd never know the difference. Yeah. For me. Well, we'll go to Jay first. Jay, what, what do you uh, have to add on Daniel Craig? Not a ton. Truthfully. I mean, I can, he is one of the brighter spots in this movie for me, for sure. Um, I know I talked, you know, last week about how, even though I never really watched the Bond movies, like seeing him on the posters, like I do have that association of him as just like 007 and, you know, kind of, again, watching him go down this like revenge tour of his career path, like 
it like I never lose that, you know? And I, again, we talked about this in Casino Royale where like, there's never a moment where he doesn't feel like he is this character. And I think that just carries over really well uh, in this one too. Like I, I'm just there and I'm like, that is James Bond, you know, like he's, he's right there and he's there. Like you know, every time he's on screen, like that's him. Like it, it sounds so silly, but like, I don't know. I feel like with a lot of these standout roles, you can find like moments where they, don't quite seem in it you just don't get that with him like he is he's always there and just always bringing it and i mean i I like you know what we've gotten of him again like my complaints about this movie are chiefly of like the plot and the action which i realize is a lot of it but like he's not really responsible for that um he still brings in this role for me i mean he does a good job in the role there's no denying it i'm just tired of this like character arc with bond as like on the revenge tour like you know as we've said like we've yeah. seen it now in quite a few of we, the we've skipped all the non-revenge movies scott that's the problem I mean, we kind of have like i guess <laughs> i didn't just didn't plan that out well maybe when i was but like we watched golden eye which had some of that in it license to kill certainly did um with felix slider dying i'm sure there's another one from the early movies that i'm not really thinking about that probably also had this subplot in it but was it live and let die just, um i can't remember if but maybe i'm i'm, I'm um, like whatever you i get what you're saying you're not tired yeah, of them beating I mean, up there people is or... a, there is a british agent killed at the beginning of live and let die but i don't know how much of a i don't think they play up the revenge arc of it all but no 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 are you are you yeah, not tired of him beating up people in hotel rooms though because that's still happening <laughs> true like in every bond movie yeah i stand it yeah that might have been the best it, fight it, scene in the movie no i mean it was the it was the least poorly cut is what i'll say it, it, it is pretty tired. Um, again, this this sort of arc for Bond. I think Daniel Craig does a fine job, but, like, there's only so much I can... Again, like, the stuff with MI6 where it's like, whoa, you're, you're done, Bond. You're canceled. And you just know, like, you know, five minutes later, he's going to just be like, okay, cool, I'm canceled. And he's just going to either, like, win their good graces back or he's just going to, like, do his own thing until he's able to save the day. Like, it doesn't really mean anything it feels like there's no stakes whatsoever to like bond getting canceled um anymore because you just you know what's going to happen um so yeah i I mean it's it's not the best to me um and and none of this is really daniel craig it's just like you know we've seen it before and he he brings maybe some nice new dimensions to it but at the end of the day it's it's just the same sort of thing um and that does kind of wear on me. Although, yeah, I mean, I think he he's skilled enough in balancing the two sides of Bond. Like I said, I think um, he does prove here that, you know, he has enough charm to do the sort of t- tongue-in-cheek debonair thing when he's asked to do that. So that's a plus. Um, Bond girl-wise, you know, I talked about Strawberry Fields, uh, Jim Arterton here, um, getting done really dirty. The main Bond girl is Camille Montes, uh, Olga Kurilenko. Um, Ta- Taskmaster, I think is what you meant to say. Yeah, Taskmaster um, in this movie. Um, what did you guys think about her? You know, obviously coming off, I think what we would agree is pretty high for the franchise with Vesper. Um, did she live up to the, you know, sta- new standard maybe of Bond girls, Jay? Not quite. I mean... I think she serves as like, I, I, what am I trying to say? 
She's like you're, also you're trying to say that she's better than average, but didn't live up to Vesper Lind. Sure. And I mean, I think in, you know, to say something good about her, like, I think it, it is like interesting to see like a Bond girl also on her own revenge tour, which I know we've seen before. I was like, say, it's not, Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I know it's not even, that's not even the only one. Um, but um, yeah, even though it's not, you know, the, the first time we've seen it, like it, it's certainly like, you know, I, I think it plays well with Bond, who's also on this revenge tour. And like, I think he's much more like, outspoken about it and although hers is like a little bit fault like more difficult to follow in the beginning because you're not i don't know it like went over my head for some reason for like a little bit they obfuscate it but it's just really simple like he killed yeah parents. yeah <laughs> well yeah when he was like I, yeah. I think i was the last one to see your parents alive i'm like oh okay like i think okay i think i get it right like it's not he doesn't mean that in some weird sympathy kind of way he's no he means it her. as yeah yeah, yeah. But so, you know, having like a Bond girl who's also going on this revenge tour was like, you know, an interesting enough foil. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you probably just summed it up where it's like probably better than average. Uh, Olga Karolingo is as a Bond girl, but not, you know, not quite Vesper Lind. Yeah, see, I was going to say that we've seen this. We've seen this angle before, too, because, yeah, there there was, uh, you know, whatever her name is in uh in agent triple x triple x right yeah and then uh jill masterson i think is her name from goldfinger who's but see they're mixing it up right her her sister was the one who died uh with uh with triple x it was her lover it was her boyfriend yeah but now with camille it's her parents yeah bond killed him that's true um i I think we're being a bit like one-dimensional with this though because i I think that the the way that this does this film does it differently is that it uses the revenge and ties it into bond's actual story and builds like a pretty, I I think a pretty significant arc around the, you know, relationship, not a traditional, but like 007 relationship because it doesn't end up going that romantic route, but where like bond is actually feels like he's like learning something from the journey that, you know, Camille is, is going on. And I think that that is where this improves on a lot of those other instances that we've seen and why I think it is an above average arc, even if it doesn't quite live up to Vesper. Granted, they are like just totally different characters, um, just like completely different, you know, paths, motivations, etc. Yeah. Did, okay. Maybe I just missed something, but did you guys understand when he first gets in Haiti, like he like gets in the car with her, like why? Like, well, I, that's, I don't, not, that's not, that's not right at the beginning of Haiti. He like kills the, the geo scientist first. And knows that he so, was like, meeting someone. I think she. I think she just. Again, it's this weird like. Oh right, she thinks he's, he's the geologist, right? Okay. Yeah, because yeah, he's yeah. also a tall, tallish, white, blonde right. guy, and so you know he's stepping out with the briefcase, and she's like, "This okay, must yeah. be him." The same way I the woman behind the reception gave him the case for room three twenty five yeah. because his tall, white, blonde guy, like, "Oh, you must be the same guy who's staying in that room." Sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with Scott. Like, I think the, the two things she has going for her, number one, they don't have a romance, which is, you know, very different. Um, and number two, the whole revenge angle does feel tied in more when you also have Bond, you know, going through the same thing and the way they're able to connect. I like her scene where she's like, where they're talking about it and he's like, you know, she's asked him like, oh, did you ever catch the person who did it? 
uh, Vesper, um, who killed Vesper. And he's like, no, not yet. And she's like, well, let me know when you do. Like, there's just, you know, that sort of like connection there, I think. Give some layers to the character. Um, I think in a different movie, we'd be saying this is one of the best Bond girls. Yeah, probably so. Uh, It's different enough to where I do. I do appreciate it. And it's definitely above average um, of what we've seen so far. Um, So and and I just think it's great that that. like through all of this, too. And like this is, I guess, more of a function of of the direction they're taking Bond and less of a function of Camille as a character. But like, you know, they, they are like, again, going back to a point I was previously making, like they constantly humble this version of Bond in favor of the bond girls a lot of the time like we saw it of course in casino royale in a lot of different instances especially earlier on when vesper and him were having a lot of their conversations i think you see it again like when he realizes that he deprived this woman of the very thing that he's been seeking like when he tackles her off the boat with the colonel or general or whatever he is whatever the guy is um and like when he realizes that much later on in the movie you know, I, I think that's a pretty humbling experience for him to realize that, you know, if he, you know if they swap positions, he'd want to kill her for depriving him of that chance to take vengeance on. You know, whether it's Dominic Green or or Mr. White or, you know, I guess but the, the ultimately what it ends up being her ex boyfriend, who's a spy as well. Um, I I just really like those those scenes and I find them pretty resonant in those moments and I think that that Olga Kurilenko does a pretty good job playing this role. And I, Scott, and I think going back to something that we talked about on the main podcast, when we were, when we had our conversation about black widow about like why you'd cast someone like Olga Kirilenko in a role like taskmaster and then do pretty much nothing with her. Um, I think that this shows you that they, that you can absolutely do something with her. And I think gives more credit to, you know, what we were talking about you know, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it is weird. I mean, you know, I, I think maybe what we discussed at the time is that she, yes, this was sort of she didn't make it after to be this. her big yeah. breakout role, but anything after this, not really at all. Um, so yeah. that's a factor too. But um, villain wise, uh, pretty weak. Uh, I think it's it's fair to say, uh, you know, even by some of the standards of the franchise so far. Um, Matthew Amelrick here is your big bad as uh, Dominic Green. <laughs> Yet again, some sort of wealthy entrepreneur investor type. Um, Arguably, no big bad in this movie, though. Just a lot of yeah. small bads. That that is that is accurate. But yeah, you know, doing shadowy stuff with money behind the scenes—that just kind of yeah. seems to be the new trope for these. Sounds moments. like a Monday. But, Scott, anything you want to say about the small bads in this movie? Yeah, the I bad mean, batch. <laughs> the small bad batch um yeah like dominic green who's the other one i guess is it i don't remember general is it joaquin cosio who plays general madrano madrano yeah yeah and then of course jesper christensen who's again over the movie for like five slate who's like the hitman or whatever right is mitchell is that that's the guy who tries to shoot him he's the bodyguard yeah he's M's, m's personal bodyguard look i so i actually like kind of like this performance of matthew almerick but like, and I like this character of Green, but, like, not as the main villain in the movie, right? Like, he's not, again, he's not going to be a Bond villain that you remember in the slightest at the end of things. And and we were kind of, are continuing to hit a wall with that, that sort of being the caveat 
to both of the Craig movies. I mean, look, there's like several caveats we're talking about here, but another caveat or another movie we end up where we're talking about this as a sort of something that's holding the the, the films back a little bit, right? You know, we talked about it with Lashif. I mean, I think Lashif is a lot better than either of the of the you know main in quotation mark villains you get in this one. I like Almerich's performance, but again, like I don't think you can put the the weight of the villain role in this film on his shoulders. And unfortunately, I don't think that it works either to share that weight with this sort of very feel, like tertiary feeling character in General Madrano. Again, he's sort of like a almost like a pantomime villain who would have been much better to like never have seen on the screen, basically. Um, granted, you don't see him that much, to be fair, but the less you saw of him and the more that he is just sort of this mysterious figure from Camille's past, the better, because it just doesn't do very much. It is a big disappointment, I think, in the film. And again, I think, I mean, certainly more so than Casino Royale in my book, but this film is just missing. It doesn't have to be iconic, right? Like just a more menacing villain than what either produces. But yeah, again, sort of a head scratching yeah. decision. Uh, and I have to apologize because I did leave out who I actually believe is the real big bad in this movie. Um, let's just there, ask the question. Here we go. What the hell is David Harbour doing in this movie? Because he is yeah. terrible. His character is so off tone with the rest of this movie. Like he feels like some sort of comedy villain from a Bond movie of yesteryear. Like, I have no idea what his performance. Yeah, I mean, he spells was, his name his, his name with two G's. Greg with two G's at the end. Bad vibes. Bad vibes. It was ridiculous in this particular movie. Um, Absolutely floored he was in this movie. By the way, how did he recognize so James Bond's fo- James Bond's photo? Can either of you answer that? Well, He's look, been on one mission at this point, right? Like, how does one mission? I mean, I think the Lashif thing was a pretty big deal for the CIA. I think they would have known about know. him. I, I love the scene or whatever where they call him the yeah, the secretary like transfers M to him and he, the guy's like we have nothing to say and then like or oh, know, we have we no have interest no we interest have no interest yeah yeah and she's and like, M's like idiot she's the person of interest <laughs> yeah they transferred me straight to the South American chief I was like wow that really great portrayal of the CIA here <laughs> like just bumbling receptionists who are just you know, disclosing things about national security. And then you have Felix Leiter, right? Who, again, is just like chilling for most of this movie. Like he's just sitting over there. Like I I was cracking up during the party scene where, you know, they all, they all roll in or whatever. And And he's just just lounging. He's just a random shot there with like his buttons on his shirt, like undone. It's like, Oh, Felix is here. He's vibing. And he had bond don't get a scene together until like very late in the movie it's yeah yeah, i I feel bad for jeffrey wright because he he actually i mean he's good in this role but yeah i got a i got a feeling that uh that's going to be his exact same role in an an upcoming bond movie but we'll see how it plays out uh jay anything you want to add here i had so many random little things to chime in about but i didn't want to like disrupt the flow of conversation um no i'm talking about alfonso cuaron being in the film if you want he was in the film yeah, I was gonna he say, was you, one of the gotta... he was one of the helicopter pilots <laughs> wow okay sorry, i didn't notice that now yeah I, I didn't i didn't pick up on that either i guess that's cool what in the yeah. world I, my, I think mark forster and him are friends and he asked him to be in the movie i don't yeah, know probably so <laughs> whatever works 
Yeah, um, I mean, I don't think this movie does a good job with his villains. I think you guys hit all the reasons exactly why. I think the general also should have been a shadowy figure from the past instead of being just this weird, slightly pervy and then turned into like, oh, by the way, he's a rapist too. Like Hashtag me too ten, a decade early. It's just like, I get it. He's bad, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I hate when movies have to like resort to that, like, we want you to know he's like really bad guys. Like, like I, I got it. Like he, he murdered her family. That was enough for me, you know, like, but nope. I mean, I look, you, you got to give this some credit where credit is due though. They have Dominic Green swing an ax and hit himself in the foot, which is pretty great. That was pretty cool. Sure. Anyway, um, <laughs> he's a pro. Know, we talked about, we talked about some of the other topics. We talked about the song, uh, by Jack White and Alicia Keys. We talked about um, a lot of the action sequences. What I do want to talk for a moment about the whole M stuff because it is kind of a, you know, subplot here that, well, Bond, you know, is he really trying to avenge Vesper? Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. But also he's, you know, trying to avenge M. And there's a whole, um, you know, again, a scene that he has. Is it with Camille or is it with, it's got to be with Camille. It wouldn't have been with Strawberry Fields or whatever, where they're talking about, um you know that he wants to avenge her and she's like trying to guess and who he's trying to avenge and he's like i I don't remember exactly what he says but she's like oh your mother and he's like oh well kind of like that or whatever um but she certainly uh, like to think so but by the way we also have rory kinnear who like is not actually M's son, but is just running around calling her mother the whole time which is kind of funny but well he's saying um, ma'am but yeah he's saying mom but like like yeah. yes, ma'am. Is he really? I thought That's he. Yeah. Saying, I thought yes. he was saying mom the whole time. Okay. No. <laughs> no, no. Also, British people don't say mom; they say mum. They do. Yeah, that's fair. Um. Anyway, that that had to be mentioned. But what do you think about the you know deepening of this relationship? Which I mean, this isn't a big spoiler to say, but we will see more of this in the the coming films. Um. What do you think about how this has developed from? you know, what we saw in Goldeneye. And again, some of the continuity gets weird here because, you know, they're supposed to have this really sort of deep relationship, which they do if you just watch the movies like chronology, right? Like if you're watching the movies chronologically, then like, you know, they've, she's been in six movies now, right? Like she's been in the last six movies or whatever. Like they definitely do have a deepening relationship, but at the same time, you know, like stuff gets retconned almost by the way that, um, they sort of try to reboot everything and let anyway, you just can't think about it too hard, but well, I think um, that you have to think that it, it, he like M doesn't meet bond when he becomes a double O he's been a part of this sort of MI six sure. structure for a really long period of time building up to achieving his double O status. And so I think that there is a backstory there that is unexplored of a relationship between him and her. And I think that it just sort of leans on the history of the series. Like you're saying, like, She'd been in four movies, like she'd been in all the Brosnan movies and sort of relies on your familiarity with her as a character and the abstract character of Bond to sort of fill that gap. But I think that you well, but this I, is a different bond than the, than the Brosnan bond. Right. Like, so that's sure. I mean, even though like it was there, like, it, you know, it, it theoretically leans on that. Right. But like, I'm not I'm not drawing on at least me, like the, the one Brosnan movie we saw, because in that one, they had a very contentious relationship, or at least she was, you know, pretty contentious towards him. And he was not that great towards her either. Sure. Sorry. I don't, yeah, I don't know what the uh, point of that was other than just to say, like, <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's been building since last movie. Right. Like, and 
but, but I think what I think what the last movie implies that we don't see is that they have a relationship already from before he was a double O agent mm-hmm. when he was in this again, sort of the, the hierarchy of MI6. And I think that that's that is easy to conjure when, to Scott's point, Bond and M have had a relationship for a really long period of time. And this particular M has been in the series for almost I mean, for over a decade at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, you just can't think about it too hard. But, I mean, again, Judy Dench is, is so strong in this role that I think it's hard not to feel the connection there um, between the two characters. But do you guys want to add anything? Like, Do you like that this has become, uh, you know, more of a angle than it ever was? I mean, you know, in the past, in the, you know, past movies, maybe it changes a little bit when Judy Dench gets involved. But, like, the early period movies that we watch, you know, M was just kind of, the person who just, you know, gives him the mission or whatever. And that's really all we see of the character. But yeah. you like that they're trying to bring a more personal layer to this relationship now. Yes. I mean, big time. Like, I, I, I think it, it definitely adds something to it for me and not just like a distinguishing factor to M. Like, I couldn't point out who M was in any of the older Bond movies like before Judy Dench. I mean, like I I couldn't have told you who who's playing. Is it, is it Desmond Llewellyn? Is right it someone now? else? <laughs> and in the really early ones, I probably couldn't have told him apart from Q. Like if you bring me like headshots of both. I was making. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. I yeah. 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 See, no, but you're right. Like I you could bring me headshots of both from like one of the Bond movies in the 70s and be like, which one is M and which one is Q? And I'll be like, I have no idea. Um so Q's like the one it, you saw more of. I mean, yes. Um <laughs> But I mean, I, I like this not only just as like a way to distinguish M as a character. I mean, there obviously is also no Q so far, right? But not only does it like give something to M to like, you know, stand out. I, I like their dynamic a lot. I mean, I mentioned last movie, you know, I loved where he like shows up at her house and she's like, I'll kill you if you ever do this again. I'm like, that was awesome. And again, like they're, they're like banter, you know, like, oh, you know, the, like this lead was a dead end. And she turns to someone and goes, he killed him. I was like, I love this. Like, I am I'm all here for this banter. Um I'm gonna try not to read into your facial expression when I said Q we haven't seen Q yet. I really There will be a Q in movie. another in another Bond movie we have not watched yet. That's cool. He will come back. That's cool. It will be no. Desmond Llewellyn from the grave. <laughs> all we <laughs> bo- all we need the now is money penny. <laughs> all we need now is money penny. Well maybe you'll get what you're looking Q for hologram. in the next movie. The Q hologram. No one is ever really dead. Uh, no one has ever really gone. Um, all right. Well, anything else you guys want to add before we move into wrap up here? Absolutely. There's something else I want to add. We haven't even talked about Mathis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't, can't let Poor that guy. I mean, again, talking about getting done dirty. Like, again, another know. great arc in the in this in this like duo of Bond movies that Daniel like this version of Bond isn't good at his job. Like. Got it wrong in Casino Royale. Had Mathis arrested and tortured. Gets him. I mean, eventually ends up in a good place. I and guess. And then on gets him killed. Isolate Island. But then, yeah, convinces him to come back to Bolivia. Use a past contact to connect him with Green, and that contact ends up killing him. Um, and then wh- dumps him in the freaking trash and goes, yeah. "Oh, he wouldn't care." <laughs> like geez yeah and, and i think again i just think that i think that, and this goes back to the m thing as well just like i think they're they are so intentional right like barbara broccoli god bless her soul she may be slow as hell about getting out bond movies these days but they're doing like every character that we've seen so far really does add to the emotional stakes 
of this Bond character. And I think that's what's really important about forming Daniel Craig into this like Bond that is more relatable, is more iconic, in my opinion. Um, granted, that's because I'm younger. I understand that. But like it is a really strong development and that it's really the series, this like little mini series within the bond franchise is just really invested in making this version of bond, like much more human. And I think that Vesper starts that, you know, Mathis sort of spans the two movies and does that M can like starts to do this more here in this movie. And I think both like Olga Kirilenko is one that that furthers that story. I do think Strawberry Fields to a really minor degree is another humbling, if not really abbreviated version of this, but like a really humbling moment for Bond. We got someone who wasn't a field agent, um, who didn't really, was just she doing was her fields job. Agent. She was a fields agent. That is true. That was a good one. <laughs> Plot, credit, credit for that one. That was pretty good. Um, Do they ever say that her name is Strawberry though? Yeah. Doesn't she... Do they? Okay. I didn't catch that, but like, I might I'm, just because she it. keeps just saying it's fields, just fields, just fields. Yeah, yeah. I think she says it. If not, M says it. Someone says it. Yeah. Um, I'll take your word for it. I just went over my head. Yeah, it, I think it's very. I don't know. I could maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm. I just know the character's name is that, and so that's. I just sort of. I'm just it, picturing but. like they're standing there over her body covered in oil, and M being like her name was Strawberry Fields, and Bond just like bursting out laughing because of how ridiculous that is. Yeah, that would have been her crazy. name was Strawberry Fields. Jesus, and um, his name was Robert Paulson. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I do think like all these characters, like some more effectively than others, but all of these characters are really geared around building up the emotional arc of Bond, and I think that that is. Uh, to a big credit. And I think that the Mathis storyline is right up there with, with the Vesper arc of being one that's incredibly resonant for Bond's character. You know, someone who trusted Bond, you know, did not get what he deserved at the end of Casino Royale at the end, at the end of the day, trusted Bond again and again um, was sort of not let down necessarily directly by Bond, but certainly indirectly with his death. And it's, it's, it's a really sobering moment that I think the film doesn't perfectly capture because it has to move on pretty quickly. Um, but I really liked it. And I think that it's, again, it sort of fits the narrative that they're building. Fair enough. No, I, I think that's, uh, I've become a quantum defender trying to make the things more serialized in a way, but, um, all right. Uh, let's move into our wrap up phase. Jay, your favorite scene or moment from QOS. This is very specific, um, and I wonder if you'll be able to like picture it in your head. But in that one, in the, the, the very early foot chase scene uh, that ends with them kind of like fighting in midair, but like before that, when they fall, they fall like a great distance, bounce off of something, and then crash through a skylight in one like very long shot. If you go back and watch it, I thought it yeah. was like a, it was a, it was a pretty cool shot um, in a movie that again you know didn't didn't wow me with its action sequences, but I watched that and like turned, you know, to my partner I was watching with, and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." Um, so I'm saying, man, that's Sienna. She was like, "Shut up!" <laughs> you defending uh, the sexist, Scott? Your choice. Um, yeah, I I do think that there are a lot of cool scenes in in this film. I mean, I probably would take this the just sort of the culmination that Jay's talking about with that foot chase scene in, in Sienna to be different. I'll say that. 
on paper, the hotel in the desert blowing up is like a pretty cool concept, I think. Um, this whole notion that it's like powered off of like propane or like whatever the hell it is. Um, or highly stable fuel cells. Yeah, very, very stable fuel cells that driving a car into really sends the whole thing straight to hell. Yeah, I, I think that the most ridiculous scene in the movie is definitely when they jump out of the airplane and pull the parachute about five feet from the ground. That works. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> that works. Um, that was a pretty funny scene. Yeah, I don't know. It would have to be the action scene in, in Siena for me. But I do think there's a lot of good vibes in, in the movie. It's good Bond vibes in the movie, nevertheless, even if it doesn't quite deliver fully on some of the some of the core tenets of the franchise if you're talking about like the you know sort of beginning to end action scenes being coherent yeah we live in a twilight world what can i say no friends at dusk um all right my uh favorite scene or moment i'll I'll go with a small moment to you to kind of follow up from jay um the opera scene talk about missed opportunities really just did not do as you know what they could have with that scene the one moment i did like is when they're like going through the kitchen and i forget whether like there's somebody shoots something or but like something is cooking and like the flame shoots out or whatever um you know that felt like a sort of fun little felt like a scene that you might have seen in tenant done better (laughs) yeah there is some kitchen action in, in tenant that is true um we're, we're done, Jay. Uh, let's put a score on it. Jay, what do you give Quantum of Solace? I mean, again, it's. I think it's just unfortunate that this had to come right after Casino Royale. Like, you can tell me. Maybe I'm not being too harsh. I don't know. 5.6. I was waiting for, like, 7.2. Um, Jay, I will, I will, I will defend as, <laughs> as much crap as I've given Jay over the Countdown series. I think that we've pressured him into, into deviating a little bit more from his six to 10.0 system in this countdown series this one actually i don't think has dipped below six funny enough even though like actually that's not true live and let die got a 2.8 um but other than that i thought you gave one five points and maybe that was just scott never mind that was brutal your live and let die rating um (laughs) yes i mean it was a terrible it was a terrible film worst movies you've seen then that you've been blessed um you know it is but move on (laughs) (laughs) Uh, scott what do you give this movie look i know that i'm gonna be the the person rating this one the highest 9.1 uh yeah i mean look i thought about it but then i thought that i'd flip that nine to a six and make it a 6.3 uh, it's a 4.5 for me. The movie's just not very strong. Um, you know, I, I get, Wrong. you know, that the Daniel Craig is, you know, a, a great bond, but correct. Um, a lot, a lot of missed opportunities and very strange directorial choices in this movie. Uh, really correct. Bring it down. David Harbour, please just don't do, don't Why did you do bring him up again? This movie again. <laughs> Stranger um, Things season four. I can't wait. I just watched the first right, season of Stranger Things. It. That'll do it for this episode of the 007 Countdown. Uh, If you've enjoyed the podcast and you would like to support us, don't forget about our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mediaplugpods. Please also check out the Some Like It Scott podcast feed where you found this podcast. Uh, Check out our main podcast as well, weekly movie reviews and all that jazz every single week. Um, And like, rate, review, subscribe, do all the things you do in your preferred podcast app right there in the Some Like It Scott feed. Uh, and of course, we hope you will be back, be back for our penultimate episode of the James Bond series. 
when we will be reviewing 2012 Sam Mendes directed Skyfall. But until then, for Scott Shelton and Jay Habib, I'm Scott Harvey. We'll see you next time.